0: All right, Larry Mason, RaceSchool.com, here with a very special guest, driver and owner in the NTT IndyCar Series, Mr. Ed Carpenter. Ed, thanks for joining us today.
1: No problem. Nice so, to join you from my, from my Chevrolet.
0: Yeah, exactly. A 2,500 diesel, eh? Yeah. Good. Well, he's, Ed's out running errands today. He took the time. Thank you very much for spending some time with us. For those that don't know Ed's background, Really, really successful at Indianapolis. Three pole positions uh, over there. You finished uh, fifth, I believe, last year.
1: Fifth or sixth. Fifth or six? I can't remember. It wasn't what I wanted.
0: So. Right. You finished second. Still not bad. Uh, you have had five front row starts in seven years there. You've led a race in the IndyCar Series fourteen of the last fifteen years. Uh, in 2019, before we had this terrible coronavirus pandemic, you actually had all three cars in a Firestone Fast 9. You always seem to have, and you and your team always seem to put together really, really good cars for the Speedway. You, you have a knack. You have a, a trick or a secret.
1: I don't know if there's a trick or a secret. You know, we've definitely been fortunate to to have fast cars consistently. We've had a couple couple down years 2015 especially was a rough one um but our team does a really phenomenal job you know like like all teams in the the NTT IndyCar series put a lot of effort into to the Indy 500 and you know it's you, you you need to have fast cars to win the race you know more often than not it's a fast car that that wins you need speed and in the end you know so we do end up qualifying fairly well there but Um, we also put, you know, an equal amount of work into, to the race cars and being prepared for the race. So we've, we've had good runs, you know, as you mentioned, we've been, we've been up where you need to be. We just haven't closed the deal. So hopefully we'll, hopefully we'll fix that come the end of May.
0: Well, that sounds great. You closed the deal when you were the first freedom 100 winner in Indy lights there. Uh, So now we just need to get the uh, win for you for the Indianapolis 500. Let me ask you something you talked about the amount of work that it takes and a lot of that has to do with how you prepare the cars. So for instance, body fit, we hear about body fit. How long does that process take? Is it the same tub that you use with a different body just for the speedway? Or do you have a speedway specific car? And talk about that. Yeah.
1: So there's a lot that goes into that. Um, We typically at least leading into Indy, we'll, we'll keep, The cars that we know we're going to run at Indy, we'll keep those out of, out of the rotation for other races, generally speaking. Um, I, at Texas earlier this year, I was actually running the same car that, that all run at Indy. So it's, it's not a steadfast rule, but, um, we, we work on those cars for a while. Um, you know, our, our paint, we paint our stuff in house. So our painter does a lot of the body fit the crew chiefs are involved in the body fit so you know depending on what kind of what condition the car's in you know if the car that we're using had stayed intact kind of at the end of the last year you know the process can be fairly easy just cleaning things up again you know if you've got if you've had to put on some new bits onto the car body work you know it may take a little more time but you know i i would say it's probably a week's worth of work, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it may, that, that may not all get done in one week, but generally speaking, it's probably a week's worth of work.
0: And you said that you actually paint the car, so there's no wraps or anything like that uh, for your vehicle? Yeah,
1: we still, we still paint most of our cars. We'll wrap some uh, here and there, depending on the schedule and, and what, what we're swapping around partner-wise, but um, yeah, we still paint. There's, there's quite a few teams that are, that are wrapping now, Um, but we have, we have a paint booth and have the ability to do it on our own, and it looks a little better, I think.
0: So, since we're talking about body, let's talk about aerodynamics as well. Part of qualifying, you might even run negative wing angles in the rear. Is that still within the rules to do such a thing?
1: Yeah, I think you're, I don't know that there'll be a car that that qualifies that won't run negative at some level. I think I think the most negative we can get to is like minus eight, maybe. Right. Um, depending yeah. on the, you know, some of that's dependent on the IndyCar tech and the the wing has to be within a certain height and setback, meaning how far rearward um, in space the wing is. So sometimes. The, the box that it has to live in in space with an Indy car, you may not be able to, to accomplish all those angles. But for sure in qualifying, people are running, you know, from minus three to minus eight.
0: Wow. And I would guess that gurney flaps play a pretty big difference or role in, in your aerodynamic setup. Even though they're so tiny on those tiny little wings, they're still probably making a big difference, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have, we have gurney flaps that we can that we can implement on the rear wing and the in the front wing main plane as well. Um, so you'll see more of that in race configuration than qualifying, but you will see, you know, if you pay attention to the front wing configurations and qualifying. There's there's gurney flaps that we can use and there's also a front wing main plane extension, it's called. It's like a flap extension. Um, so you'll see some of the people running one, two one on the left side, one on the right side. Um, So interesting little things to watch, you know, and, you know, a lot of times you'll see Chevys configured one way and maybe more Honda cars configured the other way, just based on, on what aero data you're working off of.
0: And then there's also new for this year, they have the little barge boards that go on the leading edge of the under tray. Will that be implemented at Indianapolis as well?
1: Um, Yeah, I think you'll see that in play again, most likely just something you'll see in the race configuration, um, qualifying configuration, you'll, you'll live without
0: that. So part of being fast at Indianapolis is reducing drag, like we talked about for aerodynamics, but also reducing rolling resistance. And a lot of that can come just from wheel bearings and things like that. So do you do any special treatments? Is there ceramics or cryogenics or something that you all do with your wheel bearings?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, the IndyCar series gets talked about as a spec series a lot, um, which in some cases is true, in other cases is not. Coatings, coatings and lubricants are open, um, you know, so that is an area that, that I think ourselves and, and our competitors, you know, all put some time and energy into to, to constantly make sure you're staying, um, you know, with, with the technology and with the best available products you can get for for that rolling resistance and and longevity and and durability you know it's when you're talking a 500 mile race there's there's things that you can do that may be better than what we actually do but you know we still have to make sure that our equipment is good for 500 miles at least
0: yeah it takes a definite beating and pounding i mean all those miles all those g-forces four times a lap right so uh, what about and internals too are you doing something treating all the gears just so they, uh, flow easier or, or more reliable?
1: Yeah, it's kind of the same thing. You know, when I talk about, um, lubricants and, encodings, coatings, um, there, there's, there's a, an area there to, to explore no different than than in the wheel bearings. And it's, it's kind of falls within the same rule, I believe. Um, yeah. So that's, that's another area that you, you try to exploit. And, you know, I think, you see, you see big gains early on when we get a new car, you know, this, this, a lot of these components have been around for a long time with this car. The uprights have been the same since 2012. Um, you know, gearbox is the same gearbox from 2012. So in, in this era of development with the life cycle of the car, you know, you, you start to get diminishing returns in in those areas. Um, but it's still something that we keep an eye on and, and make sure we're at least, um, you know, not, not missing out on any, any little bit of performance.
0: I'm guessing since you mentioned the lubrication, is it a special low viscosity lubricant for qualifying as opposed to the race itself?
1: <clears throat> um, I, I don't know that I even have the answer to that question. Um, you know, I, we're, we're really lucky to, to have a great group of people. And our lead engineer has been with us since we started the team. My, my president's been with us since we started the team uh, our chief mechanic's been there from day one, so over time, you know, I, I probably could have answered that question eight years ago, uh, but over ten years in, you know, some of the details, I just I let those those folks do their job because they've proven they do it well.
0: All right. Now you have an open test coming up next week, April twentieth and twenty first. What do you hope to gain from that test?
1: Uh, I mean, it's we haven't been on the Speedway since since we raced there last year, so you know it i'm sure we'll start with a baseline similar to to what we raced last year um typically there's 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 minor tire changes so we'll be exploring to make sure you know our baseline setup is still feels good and performs well with with the current current tire um, and then from there you know we're not going to be out working on qualifying just yet we're going to be you know exploring exploring things that we've worked on in the off season, you know, probably more race specific stuff, maybe some damper specific stuff that we've, we've developed that we think we have made improvements from last year. So it'll just be the the intro into development items from, from last year to this year and, and getting some reads on those. And, and, you know, the goal leaving from there is to have a, have a good baseline to then when we get back for, for actual Indy 500 practice, you know, then we can roll into aggressive race planning and and qualifying prep and and have, be on more of an accelerated plan.
0: I think the weather is going to be quite a bit different from April to the end of May, so it may be a lot warmer uh, then. So
1: could be, could yeah. be, could be colder. It's Indiana. Who knows? <laughs>
0: you never know. All right, take us through a qualifying run, so including your warm up and tire pressures how soon before you qualify do you warm everything up and do you increase tire pressures or do they pretty much raise uh, right away as you get out on the track?
1: Um, you know, I, I tend to not worry about tire pressures in qualifying there as much as other places. And, and I only say that because we, we get so much practice and so many practice qualifying runs that, that we've dialed in. What our starting pressures need to be. Um, so for me, I know we've done so many practice attempts that that I know that those are going to be spot on um, for whatever the conditions are. Um, you know, so really it 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 it's more about tire management and how hard you push that warm up lap. You know, Indy specific. You know, qualifying is a four lap average, so it's a ten mile qualifying run, and you know, I think two of my three poles, I don't think I had the fastest single lap, you know, but I, I did have the fastest four laps. So you really, you really have got to manage your balance in car and car and tire degradation over that 10 mile run.
0: Part of managing that I would assume is working the tools in the car. So you have weight checkers, you have anti-roll bars. How critical is it to really understand and know what to do with that during that quality run?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you've got to stay on top of that. Wind, wind is a huge factor in qualifying at Indy, you know, we're running the car so light on downforce, as we talked about with wing angles earlier, um, that we're right on the limit. So, you know, if you've got a big, a big tailwind or, you know, opposite wind direction split end to end, you know, a lot of times that'll require you to make pretty significant changes, you know, on each, on each straightaway to, to counter, that balance shift that you're going to get from conditions. And then as I talked about before, you know, tire degradation, you, you say 10 miles, it's not, not that far. We run, you know, 30 plus laps and a stint in the race, but you know, I think we work the tires harder in those four laps than we will in 30 in the race um, with how little downforce we have. So, you know, you're managing the tools to, to compensate for the balance shift that you get with tire degradation and conditions and yeah we've got the weight jacker and front bar roll bar and you know you don't have to run them you know so some people may have three tools some people may have two or one depending on on what they're what they're doing with their baseline setup
0: so is that something that you would adjust going into turn three and then adjusting it back going into turn one depending upon wind or is it continuously moving forward it just depends on how the car feels
1: Yeah. I mean, it can be a lap-to-lap thing for, for balance and conditions. You know, if you've got a really well-balanced car and, and it's a windy day, you have a tailwind into three, a headwind into one, you may be adjusting, adjusting the bar configurations or weight jacker setting, you know, end to end, or maybe end to end and a different setting each lap within that to, to keep up with the balance. So it's, it's definitely intense in that moment. And, you know something that, that I think is harder for younger guys to, to fully take advantage of and optimize just not having been through it as many times or not having having qualified in, in as many types of conditions, whether it's when, track temp. Track temp's a big factor as well.
0: I'm sure your experience will come into play uh, coming up next month. Uh, last couple of questions for you here. Uh, these are both sent in by fans of the site. Uh, at the end of your qualifying run, are you directly involved with the data engineering or is that left to your engineering staff?
1: Uh, it's, I mean, primarily I would say it's the engineering staff, your race engineer and and their assistant or performance engineer. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's a group effort. There's driver input into that, whether it's myself or Arenas or, or Connor, um, you know, so it, it's a group effort, but it starts it starts with those race engineers for sure.
0: Okay. And our final question is: There one or maybe two things that you feel are important for your team to operate at such a high level, and how do you specifically influence them?
1: Uh, I mean, I think people people are our most important asset. You know, we can do a lot of things to make our car faster, but the human element of it is critical. Um, the continuity that we've been able to to have and establish. I think is a big part of our, our success and consistency at Indy. Uh, you know, it's in a continuation and an evolution of, of what we've done past successes and past failures. Um, you know, so my role in that is is making sure we do everything we can to, to attract quality, quality employees and, and retain
0: them. Listen, we want to thank you very much for your time uh, today and all the information you've gave us we want to wish you the best of luck for you and your entire team at the indianapolis 500 you'll get them
1: thank you very much
0: thank you